Okay, um, we are at the end of our topic of the Christian and technology, and you can tell it's taken a toll on some people because they just didn't come back. They just like, just can't take it, just can't deal with it anymore. Um, we've actually moved from theology to even some philosophy on um, how we are to understand God over the world, including technology. And then we moved into some practical topics like what's your phone doing to you and how can you um, even be aware of those changes that are happening just because you're, you're using a phone and for almost everything now. Uh, the next week we talked about Christians engaging in social media because our mission is to be aligned with the mission of Jesus, which is to love God and to love our neighbor. And how can we use social media even as a vehicle, a tool to do that, rather than what we typically see, which is a breaking of the ninth commandment on a rec- regular basis in social media. And then t- today's topic is our last. Um, I, I, let me s- step aside and say this. Uh, thank you for... Um, there has been... We've been teaching around here for a long time, and the feedback for this particular topic has been amazingly good. Uh, there have been requests for like more and more topics, and really, you don't want any more. You really want to move on to something else. But at least it's gotten some great conversations going, I think, uh, and some... Um, what would I say... Uh, maybe the most appropriate thing that we're dealing with generationally in this culture is how do we engage with each other as Christians in the backdrop of the technology that we're using. So uh, thank you for all the feedback and all the encouragement. Uh, What I hope is that we are becoming more um, biblically centered in our thinking. Uh, That that technology is, um, is not a surprise. That it is all under God's providential care for the world and it is used uh, ultimately for His glory. All of it. All of it for His glory. And so that's a, that's a very good thing. Uh, I'm going to jump into this last topic, which um, is, you're going to have to, uh, from the very beginning, hear me say that, the, that legalism is not the goal. Uh, just because we're going to share some practical guidelines that come from a book from somebody who's got kids who established some parameters on how to deal with the technology in the house, doesn't mean is this is uh, thou shalt. It does not mean that. What it does mean is there are other people like you who love Jesus and are thinking about how do I engage with my family in such a way that we can um, support the mission of engaging with the world around us and guard our hearts so that we're not falling into the, uh, the trap of uh, what it is to be distracted or, or, or even, even have your faith kind of um, pummeled by the, the access that we have through technology. So, so I'm going to say it again for the folks just walking in. Please don't hear this as um, an attempt at legalism. If you know me and know my heart, there's nothing uh, further from my, my thinking than to start to apply something to you that somebody else said that is just a piece of pious advice. Can I use that language? It's just pious advice. Things that others have done that that said, this is helpful, uh, that might be helpful in your home. It would be good to hear what you think about these things. In fact, before we start doing the reveal, I'd be curious, Sean would be curious, to hear um, about what you have done in your own home with your own children as parameters or or guidelines or helpful... um, helpful encouragement and advice uh, to avoid the pitfalls of the technology that we have. So um, 
I'm going to ask uh, someone to pray, and then we're going to jump in right there. So, Jared, would you mind opening us in prayer? Amen. Thank you, Jared. Um, just so you know, we, the, what's, what's coming? Well, in the weeks ahead, we'll split back up for Sunday school. The youth will have their Sunday school uh, hour. Uh, adults will have theirs. Um, we're going to start tackling uh, uh, several topics on the land purchase, vision casting. What, is, what does the Bible say about the, uh, the purpose of a church in a community? Uh, so we'll start having discussions about that in some sessions. We've been asked about a couple of different topics, one on uh, biblical justice. What is the difference between biblical justice and social justice, and how do we think about those things? Uh, Jim's going to be preaching through a lot of those topics uh, because Exodus has an entire section on biblical slash social slash whatever you want to call it, justice, just justice. And so how are we to think about that? We have a, several uh, sessions set up for that. Uh, we've been uh, talking about and have, have been for a while, but others have requested uh, church history. What about um, a session on church history or a section of sessions on church history? So lots and lots coming your way. Uh, primarily, though, the, the discussion on the land will probably consume a, a few Sunday school classes in preparation for that, but the youth will be back in their uh, time frame. So, um, what are you guys doing in your home as kind of guidelines or helps to, um, to use technology, but also to be wise about it? What are you guys doing? Plugging in the phone away from bedrooms at night, because... All right, so Scott's already looked ahead at my slides. They've been published for a while, and that's one of the slides, is uh, that, that machines don't need to sleep but you do, and there's ways to set that up. What else are you doing in your house? What are you just... So I've set up some, some good, helpful parental controls, if you will, on the access to technology. What else is happening in your home? Yeah, yeah very good. So um, we've used that in our house in the past, um, so even outside services that provide a filter. Uh, those are helpful. What else is happening in your home that you think is helpful, that would be good to share? God has looked ahead in my slides and has said, I'm going to take the one that says something about a Sabbath from your tools. Yes. Yeah, don't turn about as fair play. Touche there, Mr. Sarter. That's good. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh, they're, they're, they're incredibly um, intelligent and, and crafty, what might I say? Um, we've had a lot of kids, uh, our own kids, and then kids that lived at our house on a regular basis um, over the years. And uh, yeah, you can put as much of that on there. They, they'll find a way. They're, they'll find a way around all that stuff, right? Uh, so it brings us to the, the most important point, which is Tim's point, who also hacked my slides, uh, which is you're, you're going to have to address why we exist. You're going to have to address why we exist on a regular basis if you want to address all the other things. Because you can put as many filters as you want. You can shut it down and take it away. It's what the heart wants that you have to engage with, right? I'll, I'll say it to the youth and, it's, and to the adults. It's what your heart wants that's the issue, not the tool. I'll, I will say the tools have made it extremely uh, accessible, but it's your heart that wants it, right? So we'll address that too. Anything else that's in your house that you think would be a helpful, just kind of an introductory statement on what you're doing? 
Okay, so the book we're going to use for today's topic, and we're just going to hit these slides uh, because Scott's already done and Tim's already done um, pretty quickly. The TechWise Family. The TechWise Family is written by Andy Crouch. Uh, one of Andy Crouch's kids also wrote a book called Growing Up in a TechWise Family and how that benefited them and the pitfalls that they found, things that their hearts were dealing with, even in light of good, pious advice coming from their parents, right? Um, these are the chapters. Uh, there's just 10 chapters. I'll... I'll we're not going to go into all of them. I just want you to know what the topics are. The first one is uh, choosing character, which is that whole addressing of the heart, what it is that God's doing in your life and, and what his purpose is. Uh, shaping space. There are different spaces that you live in your house. You have impact on how those spaces are used. Uh, structuring time, waking and sleeping. We'll spend a little time on that. Scott's already addressed it. Uh, learning and working. The one that didn't get addressed but I think is worth talking about is are human beings built to learn? And the answer is yes. What are the tools being used to build to learn? But don't forget, you're not just a body. You're also a soul. You're also a soul that will never die. Let me say that again for everyone in the room, young and old. You're also a soul that will never die. You cannot neglect the fact that you have a soul, not just a body. Um, the good news about boredom, the deep end of the carpool, naked and unashamed, why singing matters, and in sickness and in health. These are the context of the 10 chapters that the author uses to say, here's how we think about technology in light of those things. And um, it's, uh, it's got a lot of good practical advice, right? None of the, you won't hear me say, thus saith the Lord, you should do this. But it's really good practical advice. Uh, one stat that you think, I think you, you want to hear that's repeated in the book, and most of the, the stats come from the Barna Group, which does a ton of research all the time about uh, these kinds of topics, but seven in ten parents say that they have an explicit set of values, but three in ten have them written out. Say that again. Seventy percent of parents say they've got values in their home, but only three in ten have them written out in a way that is um, communica- you can communicate it in, in that form. So I'm going to pause here for a second and say when our kids were in the tween age, uh, this has been 12, 13 years ago, uh, we wrote out our, our, our family st- statement, or what we believe, what our mission is as a family. And, and we shared that with our kids, and even today, um, we, we still review those topics and concepts. It's part of our discussion, why are you here? That is the focus of our family mission statement, if you will. And, I, and I've, got them, I've got copies here, if you'd like to see the site family mission statement. Um, but you'll have to come ask me for it because I've, I've, I've got enough here. It's just an example, and I'm, I'm really careful. Um, whether you have them written out or not, they need to know why they're here. They need to know what the most important things are in your house. And the most important things um, need to be aligned with God's most important things if, you're, if your family is going to say, we're, we're a covenant family. We are here because of God's grace and goodness, and this is why we're here. This is what you should be doing with your life in general terms. It has nothing to do with this is the career you should pursue and how much money you should make, but it addresses all those. It addresses all those. So if you'd like a copy, uh, if you remember, come up, I'll give you one. But um, the point of this author's making is, uh, have you explicitly communicated those, not just in, in, in talking, but also in written forms and other ways? It might be a helpful tool. It just might to be a touchstone to go back to and say, this is what, when I'm gone, they'll have this. When Shannon's gone, they'll have this. 
And hopefully, even their, even their kids will, will get a chance to say, this is, why, this is why we exist. This is why we're here. Um, how much of a, of a role does family play in your identity? And this is all adults. 62% said a lot. 24% said some. 8% not too much. 5% not at all. So there's a, there's a full 38% of people who are um, in this statistical data that basically said my family uh, relationship has ze- uh, very little to no impact on my identity which is stunning compared to historical, traditional thinking, right? This is the culture that you're swimming in. Uh, and I'm not saying that all of your... If you went back into my family identity, you would say, Sean, you're not, you're not anything like, like your... Um, all that Ancestry.com stuff is, can really, is really cool. But um, most people come back related to like William Wallace or Robert the Bruce. Almost everybody in here is related to Robert the Bruce in some way. Because that's what I'll tell you. You're related to Robert the Bruce? Um, I'm like related to the, the drunk in the streets of is, in Ireland somewhere. That's, that's who I'm related to. I'm, I don't have any pedigree to speak of at all. Um, but your family typically has some massive impact on who you are, and the culture is saying, it's, it, no, 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 you can, you can pick it. You can pick it. The problem with that is you will change your mind tomorrow. You will change your mind the next day. And by the way, a year from now, you'll change your mind again. The purpose of God is to cut through our confusion on who we are. You heard Jim say it as clearly as it can be said today. Your identity should come from your relationship and union with Christ. Because that's why God made the world around us, is to be connected to the work of Jesus. And that's what people are really identified by, in Him or not in Him. Connected to Him or not connected to Him. And I'll also repeat one of my favorite lines from the sermon today, and that's the most diverse body on planet Earth, is the church. Uh, So this is just a a, a stat that affects this family thinking. Under the shape space category, most families spend time in the living room and the kitchen. There are whole churches that design their entire ministry about uh, being in the kitchen because a lot of important conversations happen in the kitchen and a lot of living and talking and Engaging with people, holidays and others, is in the kitchen, right? Even when you don't want them in the kitchen with you uh, while you're doing all those things, that's where a lot of life happens is in the kitchen. And that space, um, make the most of those spaces, uh, places of creativity and skill rather than screens is, again, helpful advice. This author has said, basically, in those two spaces, living room and kitchen, it's just not a screen space. That's, um, that's just been their practice. And could be a helpful practice. But for sure, wherever you're living out life, you want your values of that life communicated. Under the structure time um, uh, chapter, these were a couple of the key comments taken away. um, And that we are built in a pattern of work and rest. We follow the pattern that God set for us, where he works for six days and then rested. Not because he's tired, not because he's exhausted, not because his power is diminished. He did that for you. He did that so that you, who are finite, who do get tired, who do get exhausted, and then don't have a Sabbath, and then don't participate in the Sabbath, and then don't take a break. He did that for you, so that you would understand you need to shut down. You need to break away for a little while. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, you need some downtime. And the folks that say, I don't, are the first ones you want to make sure, hey, when you crash, let me know what I can do for you. When it happens, because it's going to happen. You're human. 
Uh, home used to be the place of work. This is going back into even agrarian days. Uh, all the work in your life surrounded your home. And so you saw your parents kind of making decisions about work and about life all in the same space, right? And then the industrialization of the entire world, or at least um, the known world that, that you're used to happens, and the workplace becomes somewhere else. And so children get to hear about work, but they don't get to see you making decisions about those things. They don't, they don't get to see... They don't get to see those skills being developed, right? And so there's some thinking uh, about how to, how to continue to communicate that. Uh, technology is pushing work back to the home, although if you've watched any of the news lately, most of the employers are going, it's time. Come on back. Come on back to work. We got, we got all these offices. You want to make sure you're working? Come on back. Uh, the need for a Sabbath, um, you've got to structure your life. I would say you got to. You, uh, I can say that. The Lord has so structured your life that you need a Sabbath and has provided one for you. And you, you would do well to take advantage of what He's provided for you in the Sabbath. Now there are, um, not to spend too much time on the Sabbath, but there are works of necessity and mercy that you are called to do from time to time. Uh, you're called to do mercy on a regular basis, but um, the Sabbath is made for you. And then finally, uh, electronic Sabbaths. Uh, 60% of the people in the study said they never take a break from social media. Never. Those are their words. Never. Never take a break. Uh, Waking and sleeping. Scott's already kind of uh, uh, made reference to this. Devices don't need rest, but you do. You've got to provide an environment for sleep for humans. If that environment is filled with distraction, you won't sleep. I've been accused of talking too fast, and so I'm going to slow it down right now. Um, you need that break. Now, as many distractions as you put in a place where you sleep um, are going to have an effect on how much sleep you're going to get. Uh, this, this all sounds very fundamental and, pract- and, and just you hear this all the time. There's a reason why you hear it all the time, because you don't believe it. Because you don't believe that you need to take a break from all those things. Uh, make device bedrooms as far away from us as possible. So, Scott, you're saying in your home, <clears throat> the place where the devices sleep is far away from where the people sleep. I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in saying, that's, that's good. <clears throat> because um, even when notifications come up, the light comes on, right? Even when notification comes up, the light comes on. And if you're, a, if you're a heavy sleeper or a light sleeper, it's hard to, it's hard to get past all that. So there's some wisdom in saying upside arch are completely off or throw it away. You can do all those things. <clears throat> I'll spend just a few minutes on learning and working, and then we're going to keep moving. So um, human beings are bodies and souls, and we are built to learn that there is a a sense in which God tells us you are to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, that you have a, an experience of learning that is um, expected to continue to increase over your years, and you never get to the point, let me say this again, let me get the youth in their eyeballs and the adults in their eyeballs, you never get to the point where you don't have to learn. You never. You never get to that point. I'm going to say this well, in even with some uh, threat of heresy, um, even when you get there and you think, 
I'm going to know everything. I'm going to have all things. Only person who knows all things and has all power in their their possession is God. And so in some way, shape, or form, even when you're there, there will be experiences of things that will give you more enlightenment than you had before. I mean, you are going to continue to be a being that is finite and not God. And So your goal of saying, I can't wait till I'm not learning anymore, is a foolish goal. And I'm no longer in an environment. You, you, you should always be learning. One of, the, one of the things I use at work to evaluate people is, are you teachable and learning all the time? Are you teachable and learning all the time? If you're not, it's going to be tough to be on a team where we have to keep, continue to sharpen all the time, right? So we are, we are people that need to learn and continue to grow. Learning requires uh, difficulty and re- resistance. Uh, in other words, diff- uh, learning requires stress. Uh, I'll say that because one of the things that gets brought back on a regular basis is, man, I'm stressed. And I know what you mean by that. I know what my kids mean when they say it, and I know what my friends mean when they say, I'm stressed. They really mean I'm really tired, I'm kind of at at the end. Um, But sometimes it's presented as, I don't want any stress. And I would say, you need to rethink that. Uh, From an engineering perspective, uh, description, anything that's without stress, I mean, stress is an engineering term as well, anything that's without stress is inanimate and dead. You want, in some ways, to be stressed and challenged and, and to experience resistance. Um, Brian Loritz was a pastor here in the Memphis area for many years, great, great uh, pastor, preacher, thinker, and um, one of the things he said his dad gave to him that he thought was the best um, lesson was that you have to give your kids the gift of struggle, the gift of stress, the gift of having to figure things out. You take all that away from them. They never learn. They never, they never pick up on things. You kind of need stress to continue to grow. Um, any, any athlete, any, any uh, intellectual, if you're saying, I, I'm trying to avoid all stress, uh, you're, you would like to be dead. In terms of an engineering perspective, um, stress is part of it. Stress is part of learning, part of resistance, and most of us uh, would say we were trying to get away from it. Screens can be helpful and harmful in this arena, and are those limits helpful? Um, Just trying to make sure we're thinking about it correctly. Screens can be helpful in the learning experience. They can also be harmful. Tell me how. Any thoughts on how screens could be a limit in how you learn? Yeah, there's distraction in all those, um, those screens and that method of learning. What else? Beautiful. Coming from a person who's in education all the time, that's exactly right. That you're, uh, Most of the screens uh, are more passive in your approach than they are active. That affects how you learn. What else? Uh, so, um, amen to all that. So there are two parts of learning. There's the, in, the informational part, the, the kind of increase in knowledge that you have to have in the learning. There's two parts of it. So you've got to continue to learn those things. And, and screens can be very helpful in delivering information, in delivering content. They're helpful in that. But the other part of learning is to experience things. And Scott uses the term, you're hands-on. 
uh, in the educational environment, it's tactile learning. You have to get your hands on stuff to learn. And I'm going to say something somewhat controversial. It's as different for, uh, for boys and for girls, boys particularly, um, regardless of your AT, ACT score, uh, they learn a lot by just taking stuff apart and putting it back together. How does this work? And there's just something about uh, wanting to take something apart or for some of my male friends, blowing something up and then rebuilding it after they blow it up. And I'm not making that up. They literally will go out and say, let me just blow this thing up and see what I can do. Mythbusters galore. But there's a lot of learning that happens in taking stuff apart and putting it back together. So you have to have information. Screens are good for that. You have to have content. Screens are good for that. But you need to go out and put it to the test. Validation. Thinking. Critical thinking. That didn't work. How about this? That experiment didn't work. How about that? What if I change this? That's going to happen in more of a 3D world. That's going to happen more of a tactile world. Right? It's going to happen that way. Um, let's see. Uh, this is uh, an inconsistent approach in that most grant money for learning institutions is offered for technology. So almost all the money that's given to schools nowadays is for that kind of technology, screens. You just reduced it to one word, it's a screen. And the, the very high school that I went to, that I, I'm a public school guy, I grew up in public school, I think if you have an interest in caring for the poor that you'll want to care for public school because that's where most poor people are going to get educated and you want poor people educated. I, I'm glad I was educated as a poor person in public school. Um, and in that public school in 1987, that'll tell you how old I am, in 1987 when I graduated, there were three shops. There was a wood shop, a small engine shop, and a body shop. And old Sean learned a lot by going in there and tinkering with stuff. Um, today, if you would like to take any of those classes, you'd like to build stuff. Let's see how things are work, working and you're in the public school system. Most of those new, all these new complexes that are being built are built, being built without a shop. There's no shop. Where you learned a lot of stuff just by doing, there's no shop. And I'm saying that not just for the guys, for the, for the girls as well. There were, there were whole classes that were on uh, DECA and all those clubs that got together to do things that even the girls were like, I want to learn how to do this. And they don't exist anymore. Uh, so in DeSoto County, I can tell you what's going to happen. If you want to learn those things, they'll, they'll put you in a, on a bus and send you someplace else where you go learn that way. If you want to go in Shelby County, uh, they'll put you on a bus, send you to South Memphis. There's one facility on Horn Lake Road in Memphis that they, they take you out, and there's just a handful of kids getting out there, just a handful. And most people learn this way in some way, shape, or form. But all that's been removed. So that'll just tell you kind of where we're heading is all, those, all the grant money is going towards the one part of education. Just one part. And you need the other part because you're beings that have other ways of learning. Uh, and so finally, uh, even elementary schools are, learning, uh, are moving towards more and more screens, not less. Uh, not, not slamming screens. They're, you heard me say it. They're part of the process. Can be a very helpful tool in the process, but can't be all of it. Can't be. Uh, one chapter is on the good news about boredom, and we're going to have to wrap it up quickly. Um, the English word for boredom didn't appear until the 1850s. That's a study in and of itself. People weren't bored before. There was a very, very rarely did people ever complain about boredom. You never hear the disciples complaining about boredom in, in walking with Jesus. They never go, man, this is, there's nothing to do. There ain't nothing going on. That's a new thing. That's a new concept. That's a new word 
in the English language. Um, this is a quote from the book. The more you entertain children, the more bored they will get. That's that one out. The more you entertain them, the more bored they will get. Uh, boredom is a warning sign that our capacity for wonder and delight, contemplation and attention, uh, real play and fruitful work have been dangerously depleted. How can we commit to develop our capacity for the good stuff? Which is, um, there's a lot of wonder in this place that should have our attention and uh, keep us from boredom. Um, quick thoughts on how do you incorporate wonder into your home or into an education system or how do you how do you keep wonder as part of it? Because you know as well as I do, entertainment's not going to keep you for very long. Inquisitiveness is part of wonder. Interaction like this. And we're in the south in Mississippi, and we just watched a show on farming. It was a comedy show on farming, but it was hilarious and very educational. But try to grow something. If you want to, if you want to, be, you want to be in wonder. So we're driving through Peru, Jim. We're driving through Peru down to Chimbote last Sunday. It was last Sunday. Down to Chimbote, and there were fields, a flurry of sugarcane and asparagus and potatoes, and it just fields everywhere, right? Not, not unlike driving down 61 in Mississippi, and there are fields of stuff growing. Try to grow. It's hard to grow stuff. It blows your mind, right? There's a sense of wonder in how do I make stuff grow? How, how do I... Um, there's a young, a young person at work that I work with, and um, I often ask a question about, when you flipped that switch and that light came on, how did that happen? And she's like, oh... That's kind of a big topic, <laughs> how all that took place. And because your generation, I, I, talk, I talk like this all the time, your generation, my generation is, I understand we're old, I get it. But your generation is like, uh, we just want to plug everything in, even our cars, and that's going to take care of everything. And I'm like, D- do you know where that came from? Where did that come from? Where did this come from? Where did the light come from? Because if you are thinking about it, you'll know in about two seconds that if um, if we don't have some balanced approach to energy, oh, I'm going to get on the soapbox. You just need to think about things. How about that? <laughs> things that need to be thought about. From, from an engineer to people who are out there, just things you need to be thought about. Uh, tech, Ten tech-wise commitments. These are, these are the end of the book. This is the end. This is it. I, got, I lost 11 minutes this morning. I got started 11-11. My fault. Um, We develop wisdom and courage together as a family. These are commitments that families make in light of technology, but these are the learning of lessons as a part of being human. Uh, We develop wisdom and courage together as a family. We want to create more than we consume. That's a good discussion to have is there's a lot of consumption going on. How much are we actually creating? How much are we involved in the creative process? We are designed for a rhythm of work and rest. One hour, one day, one week is what they're saying uh, as as a helpful guide. Uh, put your phones or other devices to sleep for one hour a day, one day a week, one week a year. Take a break. Build some kind of rhythm. All of life is set up on this rhythm. Uh, build this into it. Uh, we wake up before our devices do, and they go to bed before we do. That's the, uh, that's the Sartre family approach, as well as the TechWise family. 
we aim for no screens before double digits at school and at home. Double digits before they're 10 years old. No screens. Just, just try to get there. You almost can't. But try to get there with no screens until they're 10. Uh, we use screens for a purpose, and we use them together rather than aimlessly and alone. Car time is conversation time. Uh, beautiful stuff. Uh, spouses have one another's passwords, and parents have total access to children's devices. This is, again, this, these are uh, human, pious advice to people who share some same, similar values. Uh, we learn to sing together rather than let recorded music and amplified music take over our lives and music. Um, singing as a family rather than always hearing music. And then finally, we show up in person for the big events in life and we hope to die. We hope to die in one another's arms. We, we, you want your family to kind of, um, when, ch- when children come, when weddings happen, when funerals take place, you don't want any of that stuff to happen alone. You don't have to, any of that stuff to happen d- divided from the community. You want all that stuff to happen in such a way that when, when we finally do die, um, we fulfilled our purpose, which is to um, love God, love each other, and, and experience that even to the point of death. All right, I'm going to stop there. Qu- uh, questions, comments, thoughts? Anything you want to add or subtract or multiply, divide? What, what would you add? What would you modify? Chris? Yeah, um, not listening to, it's not a not listening to, but don't let your only source of musical enjoyment be recorded or amplified music that you're listening to all the time. The the other beauty of that is to have singing in your home. Um, So just a small example, when we finished our dinner together, my kids knew we were going to have, the Bible's going to be open, and we're going to have brief Bible study, but the last thing we would do is sing. We would just sing together before before we left the table. You couldn't leave the table until we were done singing, right? We have to sing first. Um, and, we're, and we're not super gifted, as Chris and others are, uh, with music, but, um, but we wanted to do that as a, as a practice. So not, you can't have your only source of musical enjoyment be everything that's recorded and brought to you. Uh, we need to also sing. That's a little biblical thing, too. Thank you for the question. Bob? Yes, sir. What is your chief end? We do indeed, with the very first question, kind of, kind of teeing up a lot of other discussions about why you're here. Absolutely. Tim? Yeah, there, there's family counseling session number one from Tim Chapman. Um, that's, but it's good stuff. I mean, um, you, you kind of know when you're not... In, you're not being focused on in a conversation, you kind of know when there's scrolling going. And it's almost like I'm so important that there are so many people trying to get a hold of me at any given time. I have to be able to be reached, right? Because I'm a really important person. And none of that's really accurate, right? There's nobody trying to get you every... So the, the idea of I value the time and the conversation and the people in the room enough to say this is on the side is, is pretty powerful stuff. It can't always obviously be done, but... But that is a, a way to communicate um, this. This is important. Face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball is important. I want you to hear what I'm saying to you. Right? Good stuff. Anybody else? Anything you want to add? 
You got in trouble. That's right. You got in trouble. At, at the same time, um, phones are almost, almost um, capable of doing the work, right? So uh, not, the thinking has to come from us. Uh, Bob, just give you your, your quick example. While you're in Peru, what was going on just on your phone? So the work was happening by the vehicle. The, I mean, you're, you're thinking, obviously, but your, your medium was the phone. It's a, you, you need to have some balance in that, in that uh, approach. Anything else you want to add? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so basically what you're going to discover is, um, if I die this week, Scott will find out tomorrow, right? <laughs> Anything else before we wrap up? I know we're, we're a little bit beyond time. Can I say it again? Thanks for the engagement for the last four or five weeks on six weeks on uh, technology. Feedback's been great. Um, we're going to move on. Youth will be back with their stuff. Um, next week is actually spring or fall break, isn't it? Is that right? So we're not having Sunday school. But we'll be back to youth and adults and different topics. Uh, can we pray before we go? Let's just let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time, and thank you for uh, the Lord's Day, uh, for the Sabbath, and what it means to us, not just uh, to spiritually be refreshed and revived and uh, to be encouraged by hearing the gospel Preach to us uh, by your word, through sacrament, all of these things we're thankful for, but also uh, just a reminder that as, as humans, we need, uh, we, need to be, um, we need to be centered on you. We need to be centered on what's most important. Uh, we need um, breaks from distraction. We need breaks from the things that continue uh, to call for our attention other than you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. I pray your blessing on uh, our church as we go and scatter. Thank you for the opportunities ahead of us. And uh, we pray that all this will be worked together for the glory of the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray.